When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everyone, Luke here, and while the Ramble content is coming at you a little bit less frequently than usual, I thought I'd take a few moments to introduce you to a brand new show from the Stack Universe, Eureka. I think you'll absolutely love it. I think you'll love it as much as I do. Rick Edwards and Dr. Michael Brooks get under the skin of science, answering a different question every week, accompanied by world-leading scientists. It includes really fascinating topics like um, alien invasions, cutting-edge artificial intelligence, talking animals, um, why people still believe in ghosts, all that kind of stuff. I've handpicked one of my favourite episodes from the series so far, where the guys are finding out exactly what makes a psychopath. And I thought those of you listening who are fans of the great Roy Keane, which obviously I am as well, uh, might want to listen in to see if you can ascribe it to old Kino. Um, if you enjoy it, uh, make sure you head over to Eureka because they release an episode every Wednesday. There's loads of different types of um, scientific questions answered on there, and it's always so much fun. So yeah, stay tuned to this one. The episode's coming now. And if you like it, head over to Eureka, uh, search Eureka wherever you get your pods and give them a subscribe because they really deserve it. It's a great show. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way. Isaac Asimov once said that the most exciting phrase to hear in science is not Eureka, but that's funny. 
uh, respectfully, Isaac. We think you can have a bit of both. We invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions as decided by us. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. So, which one of us do you think is more likely to be a psychopath? Oh, you for sure. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm so nowhere on I, that Almost scale. to the extent I didn't really want to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind? Do you mind it? No, I think probably not. I guess I'd, I'd see, but this is what a psychopath would say, of course, I'd <laughs> see there being some benefits to having some psychopathic character traits, maybe. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. 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 No, you I know mean, what I mean, though. Like, I, I wish I was more psychopathic, to be honest. I, mean, I think it's I holding me back. I, I just don't. Yeah, it, I think it probably is. It just wouldn't suit you. You'd be a terrible psychopath. <laughs> He's a terrible psychopath. Yeah, you would though. You'd just like, help that old lady across the street. Oh, it's pathetic. Yeah, I pushed her in front of a car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think you're. It's too sort of fundamentally nice. Thank you. I'll take that. That's not a compliment. <laughs> Uh, but it did get me thinking about this week's question. What makes a psychopath? We've all wondered if someone we know could be a psychopath. I'm watching you. It's a term thrown around in pop songs, films and even in boardrooms. But what makes a psychopath tick? Anyone out there who's watching who might be having to work with a psychopath, for example, you know, maybe they've got someone at their work that demonstrates these characteristics... <laughs> What do you think the best way of dealing with that is? Are all psychopaths violent criminals who are behind bars? I am hateful. When you look at me, you look at hate. Two words I don't like to use is love and sorry. Or are they operating in some of the most senior positions in the world? We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And yes, together, we will make America Great again. And just how many are there living amongst us? As many of you know, I'm a relationship and couples therapist, and today I'm giving you the top five signs you're dating a psychopath. On today's episode, we're asking our expert, Dr. Mark Freestone, what makes a psychopath? So um, we obviously you know, have to get a great expert in. Obviously, we know probably quite a few psychopaths, but I imagine you've uh, tracked down an actual scientist who's an expert in this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I felt like a sort of safer thing to do rather than just seeing if a psychopath would do it for us. Uh, so this week, we've got Dr. Mark Freestone, who works extensively in the field of forensic mental health. Nice. Uh, so nearly a proper doctor. Um, he's reader in mental health and director of post graduate taught programs at the Wolfson Institute of Preventive Medicine. He's also, he's got a load of titles, this guy, an honorary senior research fellow at uh, East London NHS Foundation Trust and a fellow of the Alan Turing Institute. Wow, okay. He's good well, creds. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the most impressive thing about him, probably, is that he was actually the psychiatry consultant for the excellent Killing Eve series, wasn't he? Yeah, no, that is actually quite good. Now, psychopath or psycho is a term I think gets bandied around quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, was the footballer Stuart Pearce really a psycho? <laughs> Probably not. So I think the best Probably, place Probably, yes. Us... No, no, I don't think Stuart Pearce was actually a psycho. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, if you are listening, Stuart Pearce, get in touch and we'll do the test. But the best place to start for us is by defining exactly what we mean when we say psychopath. 
there's a sort of a gold standard for defining psychopathy called the psychopathy checklist revised which is the psychopathy test of john ronson's book i think increasingly i start to preface it and say there are other ways of defining psychopathy and it's not the only king in town but broadly speaking the psychopathy checklist says a psychopath is somebody who they, they lack remorse right they lack remorse for what they've done they lack empathy with other people and because they lack a sort of a basic understanding of, of those concepts they struggle to communicate properly with other people so rather Rather than trying to form proper relationships, they will be charming but superficial. They'll try and manipulate other people and they'll tell lies pathologically. That means that basically almost everything a psychopath says usually is a lie of some sort. And if you challenge them on the lie, they'll simply gloss over it with uh, another lie as well. There's also a degree of antisocial conduct in the way we define psychopaths at the moment according to the psychopath test. So psychopaths also break the law. They have quite promiscuous relationships but they also have what we call marital type relationships so that means they tend to go into a sort of relationship that's very close like marriage but they're already in it for a short space of time and then either they get bored or they get rumbled by the person they're in a relationship with and move on to someone else. So psychopathy is usually this sort of common combination of this lack of empathy, this sort of charming, narcissistic characteristics, and then these much more antisocial, difficult, sexually promiscuous, law-breaking characteristics as well. And that's psychopathy in the psychopathy checklist. So some people might have taken like an online test. You can, you can, yeah, you can find yeah. them in lots of places. And you kind of tick boxes and it tells you if you're a psychopath. The actual psychopathy checklist is, is much more extensive and so the one that is the gold standard is the robert hare psychopathy checklist revised and so that has as mark was saying 20 different items and then you score yourself so you either don't agree at all so doesn't apply right, so you yeah. get zero or it applies a little bit and you get one point or it applies fully and you get two so if you get 40 you are a full-blown psychopath but there must be a threshold, is there? Yeah, yeah. So in the UK, weirdly, it's above 25, but it seems that in other places it's above 30. I think if you're in the high oh. 20s and above, you've probably got some problems. Right, but in the UK, it's sort of... you've got. To be... it's, it's, it's slightly lower, but then it's just like the first thing that you That's do. Weird. It's like a, it, alarm bells start ringing. Is that because, like, you know, the, the, the bridges are so sort of reserved that you have to like have an extra yeah. <laughs> sort of a bit of wiggle room because, you know, obviously they're, they're culturally brought up not to be too psychopathic, too obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah part of our breeding. Uh, the, the average score, I think, in the UK is one. <gasps> really? Um, so, and, and generally speaking, you know, the vast majority of people get less than five. Right. Um, Non-psychopathic criminals quite often score quite quite highly still. So they'll be in the kind of like early 20s, like okay. late teens, early 20s. I mean, obviously, all I'm thinking now is I just want to take the test. Okay, I think what we'll do is during the break, we'll sit off air and administer the test to each other, which is, to be fair, not how it should be done, but it's how we're going to do it. So it generally should oh, be perfect. done. I mean, it wouldn't be like us to cut no, corners no. and like, diagnose ourselves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> using entirely <laughs> fatuous you know, ideas. Yeah, no, fine. There are... Um, there are self-reported versions that you, that you can do, but this one should be carried out by, you know, a clinical psychologist or behavioural scientist. Or a doctor like myself. Um, but a real doctor it would need to be. Oh, okay. um, uh, and, and generally speaking, you'd have two different uh, scientists do the test with the person and then you take an average of the scores. You also need to do quite rigorous like background checks and speak to people that know the subject 
because uh, as Mark was saying, like psychopaths just love to lie about yeah. <laughs> So it's really hard to get. So you need to check what. So if your result is that you're not a psychopath, you probably are a psychopath. That's the thing. Oh. If you're a really good psychopath, you might be able to get that through. <laughs> um, except I don't think psychopaths see that being a psychopath is a problem. So yeah, they wouldn't okay. really necessarily be lying about that or in, in that way. But yeah. they might lie about some weird stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. And then, and then, like, happily, just double down on lies, <laughs> or just to you know, invent a new lie. Like they're quite, you know, the, the eccentric people. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. Okay. So I, I understand what kind of a person you know we've got when we're dealing with a psychopath. But how do they become a psychopath? Is it is it natural or is it sort of you know just kind of something you learn? This is what we asked Mark next. Well, there is some evidence that some of the more primary psychopathic features have a genetic element to them, particularly in in children who are quite young. They have the sort of what we call the callous and unemotional traits that we also see in psychopaths. So they can often be quite cruel to people when they're and animals, particularly when they're younger. But not all of those people go on to become psychopaths or even to develop psychopathic traits as an adult. There's also still a huge environmental component to all of the variants in whether or not people develop psychopathic traits as an adult based on whether they had these um, callous and emotional traits as a child. So the genetic picture isn't isn't the whole one and we think that probably there's a quite a degree of gene environment interaction so in other words you have to have the genes and then you also have to have an environment that for some reason persuades you that treating people in quite a callous unemotional way is the way to succeed this really interesting ideas and i'm going to (laughs) say donald trump now but there's a really interesting uh, book about trump's own upbringing and the childhood that he and his brother and sisters had and how invalidating it was and how the emphasis was entirely on success at any cost and you know emotions and relationships were were weak unless it was a very dominant relationship unless you controlled everything that you did and that really is the kind of invalidating environment that says you know nobody cares about other people you just focus on you that if you combine that with some maybe callous and emotional trait dispositions you would probably have somebody with quite broken dysfunctional uh, interpersonal relationships as an adult I wonder if anyone's ever done that on purpose it's like you've done a little experiment on their children tried to groom like one psychopath yeah groom one psychopath and and, you know the other one's fine sort of thing this is very you (laughs) very you idea Well, I, I do feel like I've had a missed opportunity now. I've you know, treated my children quite nicely and, and, you know, I could have done something interesting. I mean, is it too late for you and Philippa? No, maybe not. Well, we'll mention it to us. So yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about... <laughs> now, he, thinking, hear me out here. <laughs> I'm just going to withdraw all love and support from one of our children. You get to choose which one. <laughs> uh, it'd be genuinely fascinating. Yeah, I, I think we might do that. Check back in 10 years. I'll let you know how we got can on. make up a kind of seven-up uh, seven style documentary. <laughs> Oh, there's TV gold in this. I yeah, think we do it. Yeah, absolutely. I right. do it with, uh, with with Ema, but I know that she she wouldn't have it. No, I think you're more likely to get it past Philippa, actually. Okay, all right. So you you, you do that, um, yeah, but it, yeah, it's yeah. no surprise that it's like, I mean, basically like everything, really, everything of any interest. It's nature and nurture, yeah. in 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 combination. But there is this really interesting element. So there have been studies done and they did it in in Wisconsin i think on on prisoners there so they took i think it was about 20 psychopaths and then 20 non-psychopath criminals yeah. and they looked at their brain structures 
and they did it in a couple of different ways. So they looked at the actual matter with some type of scan, so like structural stuff. And then also just with an fMRI scan, they looked at the activity. And they noticed that in, in psychopaths, there's two areas of the brain. So you've got the uh, ventromedial prefrontal cortex. Nice, nicely uh, done. And the, and the amygdala. And they, in psychopaths, their communication is not very good. It's, it's, uh, okay. it's, it's restricted. Right. Yeah, yeah. And these two centres, so the, in, in the prefrontal cortex, it's dealing with guilt and sort of sentiments of empathy. And that isn't communicated with the amygdala, which, as you probably know, is quite well known as the, the, the fear yeah. uh, centre. So like fear and anxiety is, is, is what that mediates. Those two don't communicate properly. And so you don't regulate your emotions and your and your social behaviour in, in the way that you should. And you can actually see that both structurally and in terms of the, the amount of activity between them. Uh, okay, that's interesting. So, so like a feature sort of, of the fearless, brain. effectively. Yeah, or, kind of. But, but they don't connect way. fear with guilt. Like it's, it's the connection between, between the two, I suppose. Yeah. And so therefore, there is some similarity between the kind of behaviour you might see in, in someone who's been a victim of, of head trauma. And at the University of Glasgow, they looked at a whole host of serial killers, famous serial killers through the ages. 21% of them had had serious head trauma as Ooh. a child. See, I mean, I could do that to my children still. Yeah, well, just one of them. Oh, as a child? Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah okay. No, 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 you need to do it a bit earlier. Yeah, I'm probably too But that's that. weird, isn't it? So yeah, like, that is weird, yeah. So like the BTK killer, um, Son of Sam, like like quite a few of the famous ones, like dropped on the head or like whacked in the head with a swing, like that kind of thing. God, that, that's going to be awful if you're if you're the parent who's listening to this and has accidentally just like you know, dropped a child or something. Like, I've created a psychopath. Also, the thing that um, yeah, difficult to prove causation. I think, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't tell anyone. Yeah, I um, immediately was thinking, oh, I hit my head loads. As I a was going to ask, were you dropped on your head as a as a kid? Yeah, I've had I've got stitches all over. Yeah, oh. I, I, yeah, I'd repeatedly hit my head on stuff. Wow. Hmm. It's starting to add up for me. <laughs> we haven't I'm done actually, the test yet. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm anxious about doing Presumably, the if you don't have the genetics in place as well, then you, you're yeah, probably not Yeah, get yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I'll probably be okay. So we'll see how your parents are as well. Maybe have a look at them. There's no way that my parents are psychopaths. They're just not. <laughs> you know, they're not. I say that I mean, almost with a slightly disappointed tone. I'm not disappointed that my parents aren't psychopaths. They're just, they're, they're not psychopaths. Uh, but I mean, do you think, like, you know, uh, Dr. Mark mentioned Donald Trump. I mean, are we, you know, we're starting to see sort of traits of psychopaths in people and we almost sort of recognise them now. Do you think our society is becoming sort of a bit more sort of psychopathic in a way? Um, I think it's really hard to say, um, but there was a study of psychopathic traits by um, your mate, actually, uh, Kevin Dutton. Kevin Dutton. Do- yeah, Dr. Yeah. Kevin Dutton. Not a real doctor. Is he? Is he a real doctor? Well, he's the same as me. He's got a PhD. No, then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he's at Oxford. And he, he kind of came up with this league table of significant historical figures. And this is all... So there's another um, w- way of measuring uh, psychopathy, which is an, it's, a, it's a standard psychometric tool. This one is self-reported. It's called the Psychopathic Personality Inventory, revised. They're always revised. Yeah. Always yeah. No, better. it's good to revise. No, it's, it's fantastic to revise yeah. them. So this is self-reported, which already is less good, but also 
it's not even self-reported. It's reported by biographers or people who uh, claim okay. to know them and stuff. So, you know, I think slightly take this with a pinch of salt, but it's still interesting. So they haven't sat down and filled in the checklist? Well, no, Henry VIII hasn't done it, so, <laughs> no, for example. But someone who knows Henry VIII has done it for them. Uh, and he's come up with this... He, he wrote gle- green sleeves, didn't he? I mean, what a psycho. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the most psychopathic thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he basically dissolved the whole church, didn't he? So, oh, yeah, yeah, blew up all the monasteries. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, uh, killed a lot of his ex-wives. I mean, the guy, there's a few signs there, <laughs> even without doing the test. So he came up with this league table. Top of the tree is... I'm going to uh, say Hitler. No, Hitler is in fourth. <laughs> wow, imagine beating Hitler. Yeah, yeah. In this particular game. Yeah. Um, are I've, are I've we talking met... like serial killers or something? No, 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 no. no. So these like, are just the, historical the, yeah. figures. So who score very highly on this... Uh, psychopathic Genghis Khan metric. Uh, he I don't think is in there no can't oh, see him okay. but you'd imagine he'd be up there I've mentioned one of them already uh, Trump Trump um, is just above Hitler he's between <laughs> Idi Amin and Hitler oh Idi Amin yeah yeah um, Pol Pot not on there but you, again you'd figure again, he, he would be in there yeah um, Henry VIII is second so who's top go on tell me Saddam oh Saddam Hussein. Right. Mm. Yeah. Funny how they're all men. Yeah, we've got Thatcher is <laughs> okay. up there, but she's not scoring that highly. No. Elizabeth I is in there again, not scoring that that highly. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm buying that. The most surprising entry for me, really quite high up, Jesus. Oh. I guess a bit of a narcissist. Messiah maybe? complex. Was <laughs> it the ultimate? <laughs> the very definition of? Yeah, I think... Telling lies. I mean, that's a big accusation to make about Jesus, isn't it? I don't think that's what they're basing it on. <laughs> I assume. I am the son of God. Yeah. <laughs> You're sticking with it, are you, mate? <laughs> One of the interesting features of this is that you're kind of looking at lots of different aspects of psychopathy. And some of them are... You can be careful. Like you some of them are positive, right? Like some of them are, are, are quite helpful. Some of them you can see would make you quite a good leader, uh, and and some could could sort of go either way, depending on your mix of those traits. So if you're very cold hearted, which most psychopaths are, yeah. So for example, this is a really good. Let's just just by, by the by, but you know how uh, yawning is contagious. Yeah, not if you're a psychopath. <laughs> Oh, right. Because you just don't care what other people right. are doing. No sort <laughs> no, of no empathy. No, no empathy. No, this is just like right. people are just there as objects for you to use. See, this is a very positive trait, isn't it? You know, a useful trait to have. So, what, so to not yawn when someone starts yawning? Well, no, no, no. The kind of just use people, it's fine sort of take on life. I don't know if it makes you very likeable. Well, I don't know. I'm So Dutton wrote this book. Kevin Dutton wrote the book yeah. with um, Andy McNabb, mm-hmm. who he's done work with before. And I went, I went to the book launch. Yeah, Bravo 2.0. I went to the book launch and it's called The Wisdom of Psychopaths. Right. Okay. And I sat in the room and they talked about, you know, all the great things that you can get if you sort of be a bit more psychopath. And I did leave the room thinking, right, I've got to try a bit harder. It's not you though, is it? I, I failed miserably. Like, right. I came out with this like to-do list of like, right, I'm going to you know tell them what I think. Right, I'm going to sack that person. Yeah, you're right. And um, I didn't do any of it because no. I couldn't do it. No. No, no, no. I could have told you that. We already know my result, don't we? Yeah, I think we probably do. But if you imagine, um, so cold-heartedness, in some senses, could mean that you're able to take difficult decisions yes. dispassionately. Yeah. That's a that's a useful trait. Yeah. But if you combine it with certain other ones, it might just mean that 
Um, so like blaming others for stuff, which is quite a psychopathic tendency, then you might just end up being a kind of genocidal maniac. But you're probably be a politician. So it's, it's a, a tightrope to walk, <laughs> you know. Um, but some of the other positive ones are, are like um, social influence. That they're, they're good at influencing people in, in social situations. Okay. That's obviously good as a leader. Fearlessness. Yeah. So just generally just like not, not fast. Uh, almost immune to stress is a really interesting one. So oh, just yeah. don't get stressed out by stuff. Um, again, why? I guess you get that sort of trait in more special forces soldiers and stuff like that. Yeah. Not stressed out and fearless, pretty good for someone yeah. like Andy McNabb. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, ideal, in fact. Um, whereas the more negative sort of traits, so you can't really see how they're going to benefit anyone, are kind of self-centeredness, impulsiveness, lack of empathy, externalising blame always. So whatever happens, even if you've definitely done it, <laughs> saying it's someone else's fault. <laughs> um, see, I mean, all these things to me are things that I wish I was like. And also never being concerned. This really figures, I think, to what you kind of think you know about psychopaths. Never being concerned about the future. So, Oh, just living in the present. Yeah, just sort of living in the present. Doing consequences your, doing, don't matter. Doing your thing. Yeah, the consequence is irrelevant. Just do the thing that's going Wow. Gonna, yeah. Not, well, you don't really want that in a leader. No, at, no, at that's all. true. But you know, the leader presumably has other people around them to worry about that kind of shit. So, you know, it's... Just get on with I mean, it. This yeah, is, I guess. I this guess is the so. right decision to make at this moment. Um, we'll face the consequences as and when they come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. I still wouldn't necessarily want to be voting them in. <laughs> also, I realised that what you actually asked me was, um, are we living in a psychopathic society? And I just told you a load of stuff about, <laughs> about leaders. It's not like being, you to completely being... ignore me and don't think about my feelings. <laughs> we did ask Mark. If you have an environment where strength, a lack of emotion, dominance, Machiavellianism, that is the use of other people for your own ends, and this kind of general instrumental use of people around you is encouraged, and certainly we, we live in a society where we don't challenge that. In fact, we actually collude with it. We elect people with these traits to very senior positions in our societies, even, you know, the leader. That's really worrying because if that was happening in a hospital or a prison where I worked, first of all, I mean, we sort of trained to spot these problematic characters and not give them those kind of responsibilities. But that idea that you collude with people who behave in this way it's very very concerning because they then are imposing on their society a structure that benefits them so a structure where emotions aren't something we discuss where people are there to be used and taken advantage of and there's not enough of that really important work of challenging psychopathic behavior every day around us for us to be really sure that perhaps in the future our societies won't continue to slip into a, a situation where we're validating encouraging and permitting very psychopathic behavior which is not good for anyone it's not good for the psychopath it's not good for you it's not good for me uh, that kind of behavior to really take up a, a root in our societies because we don't challenge it effectively and that is a very difficult thing to do you know if somebody is constantly lying if they're very manipulative uh, if they're very, if they have a very high level of self-belief, it's difficult to challenge that. But I think it's a skill that we perhaps need to encourage a little bit more in our society. Well, I'm getting mixed messages there. It's like we need to encourage that a bit more, but we also need to challenge it. Bagsy, I don't challenge the psychopath, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not <laughs> up for that particularly. I think it's like um, it's like seasoning food. 
You uh, want just the right amount of psychopath. What a beautiful don't you? analogy. Yeah, you know, you just want a <laughs> sprinkling of psycho in the right place. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be putting salt and pepper on your dessert. No, you're quite right. I think I've gone uh, slightly too far with this analogy now, but you, you, you get the point. Yeah, we can edit that bit out, don't worry. Um, no, we'll keep it in. So uh, <laughs> you, you are going to love this too much, so much so that I don't want to say it really, but I will because I'll, I'll give you something to enjoy. What sort of car do you think you'd own if you were a, a psychopath? <laughs> so I'm, I am, by the fact that you say I'm going to enjoy this, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I would have said, yeah, uh, what Tesla. Would you have said? Okay, yeah, yeah. I good, would have yeah, said good Tesla. Guess. Yeah. Because I think there's a certain psychopathy mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to that mm-hmm, whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, it's a BMW because that's what you've got. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the BMW, <laughs> narrowly, narrowly edged out by the Audi. Oh yeah, well um, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So this is a. This was like a. It's kind of a bit of fun, really. But is it, it? But it was or, only or like a it, twelve. Does it hurt? No, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> it was a, like a twelve-question survey. I think self-reported. Right. So again, you know, re- read what you will into it. But the the BMW drivers came out on top. Then then Audi, the the least likely to be. Uh, Psychopathic Skoda drivers. Oh well, that's nice, interesting. Nice Skoda drivers. Yeah, um, they've got a Skoda. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a little Skoda that I I think is great. So that must be you know again mm. another indicator that I'm you know yeah. I'm all right. Whereas, uh, what made you choose a BMW? Do you think was it a massive presence on the road that you could just knock other that, people um, out of the way? Yeah, I thought if I was going to mow people down, <laughs> 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 uh, they also looked at the color that's most likely to indicate. Oh. Being, being a psychopath. Red? Uh, no, that's, that's the least likely. Oh, is it? Red, okay. which I was surprised by. Um, I think it, there is a way of getting this if you just imagine that it's sort of quite heavily related to narcissism. Is it white? No. Oh. I'll just tell you, gold. Oh, so um, that's not on my list of like no, you know, no, no, no. But if you see someone, car colours, so gold I, is not there. So the the, the way to spot, I, I would say, almost a, a yours isn't gold. Definite, is it? no, it's black. Yeah. Uh, a definite psychopath, gold BMW, and with a personalised number plate. So a personalised <laughs> number plate, you, you know, like on the scale, score twice as highly as a regular number plate. Wow. So if you see a gold BMW with the number plate, what would it be? Uh, P P five four C H O. Get away from them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you own that number plate, get in touch with the show. <laughs> yeah. Although, uh, if you are annoyed with us, uh, please don't get in touch with the show. <laughs> we'll take a quick break now, but we'll be back after this to discuss our results from the Robert Hare Psychopathy Checklist Revised. We'll also be finding out how many people in the general population have psychopathic traits. And of course, we'll be hearing Dr. Mark Freestone's answer to this week's question, what makes a psychopath? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, Brooksy, I think it is probably time to discuss our results. <laughs> uh, so off air, we sat and, uh, and went through the hair psychopath checklist revised and Michael has the results. Uh, Michael, what did you score out of a possible 40? I scored six. So six is interesting because normal individuals score below five. Okay. Most people, I think, score one. Right. That's quite a long way from six in a, in a sense, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I was expecting a, to be one or two, yeah. and it turns out that I have uh, traits that I wasn't mm. really aware of. Lack of self-knowledge. Yeah. Classic. Mm. Um, and, oh, okay. uh, I'm slightly it, disturbed, um, actually. The yeah. more I think about it, the more, the more unhappy <laughs> I am. you feel dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you just got to embrace it. Oh, well, as you clearly have, mm. your score, yeah. 15. I'm quite happy with 15. Of course you are. Yeah, 15's because all Because right. you're happy with yourself, aren't you? Mm. you know, you're very mm. happy with yourself. Mm. Because the thing about 15 is there's no danger that anyone is going to brand me a psychopath. Well off that. Yeah. 25, 30 for that. Even criminals, non-psychopathic criminals, 20, 22. Yeah. So I've just got, I would say, the, like, the good bits of psychopathy. Of course you would. Um, and the, the question that it makes me ask is, why aren't I more successful? What am I, what am I doing with these wonderful It's because you're gifts? hanging around with the sixes. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, so we actually asked Mark about psychopaths sort of in the general population. There's a lot of psychopathic traits milling about, but I think with that said, it's important to bear in mind that the average score of on the psychopathy checklist in the general population is one out of 40. So it's not a big issue. But we did also find that there were other people who had enough psychopathic traits that it was causing them problems in their lives. There is quite a body of research from the 1990s that was done by Dr. Bob Hare, who's the, the guy who wrote the, the psychopath test, the psychopathy checklist revised, saying that actually if you sample groups of stockbrokers and senior CEOs and high-level management in the United States, you do find a, a large and quite consistent level of psychopathic traits. But I also think that that is part of an artifact of when the research was done, coming out of the 1980s, a very sort of individualistic culture where those kind of values were uh, accepted as almost normal or to be encouraged and sought out. I think if you repeated that work, you'd probably find that the real prevalence of people with a meaningful level of psychopathic traits was really, by which I mean, you know, scoring 
two, three, four, or five even on the side of the checklist was really quite low because I don't think that's valued in the boardroom as much as it was. I don't think people want uh, monomaniac, Machiavellian, manipulative uh, CEOs running their company. I think they want people who are much more willing to acknowledge a diversity of views and actually form proper relationships with their clients and, and subordinates. So I think a cultural change has meant that there are fewer psychopaths in the boardroom, but it would be interesting to know what those people are doing if they're not there. Did I just hear Mark Wright and him say two, three, four, five? Yeah, I, was, I want to see the start. bell curve on this. Hmm. Because well, that's th- worrying for you. I even. didn't even want to. I didn't think I could be an outlier. No, but it seems like I am. I don't. You can't. And you must be a real outlier at fifteen. Then I think the problem here is that we have self-administered. Yeah. Okay. The, the, yeah. the test. I think we might have. You know, uh, partly partly for fun, and and partly because you don't want to score yourself too too lowly and <laughs> deliberately. Yeah, we've maybe compensated in the wrong direction. Right. Yeah. I mean, there I, might be a bit yeah, of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm still definitely. You're yeah, pleased with. I'm getting 15. double digits, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so we obviously had fun with it. We messed around with it, and we didn't take it terribly seriously. And probably didn't do it very well. But you kind of see how it's possible to identify a psychopath yes. from this. Yes. And some of the traits they have. So can we actually? Cure them, change things. Yeah, and uh, and also, crucially, would they want to be cured? <laughs> I'm guessing no. Well, you don't. <laughs> Certainly not. We haven't so far got uh, a lot of evidence that psychopathy can be cured or even that there are interventions to really realistically help us manage it. But we, we do have, you know, sort of breaking news. We do have some new interventions that are a little bit more promising. There's a big uh, nationwide trial of something called mentalization-based therapy. Mentalization-based therapy is about trying to encourage people to think about their own emotions and the emotional responses of other people. So why were you so angry when you walked into the shop and there was something someone taking a lot of time in the queue ahead of you and how could you know what do you think their emotional state was and how can we think about that so that trial hasn't reported yet but it's shown some very interesting and promising early results and another really interesting idea is from the prison service in the um, the Westgate uh, Dangerous and Severe Personality Disorder Unit where there's been a lot of work on thinking about how we motivate psychopaths to change we know that because of their brain structure psychopaths are very bad at learning from experience so because of that punishing psychopaths for example tends to not work very well at all but that doesn't mean that they don't have a reward system that works so if you instead of punishing psychopaths who misbehave provide them with incentives not to misbehave in the future so you agree with them on what the goals should be you're not (laughs) banging your head against a brick wall in the same way of, of trying to teach somebody who can't learn about the way that they should be, but rather providing them with staged incentives to engage in certain kinds of behaviour and not others. I really like that as an approach where you basically just give up on trying to convince the psychopaths that actually being empathetic is is a good thing or trying to teach them how to be empathetic and and think about other people's feelings just to incentivise them. Make it worth their while, Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing they're not using star charts. Probably not, no. wonder what they are using. I mean, I guess, so if it's with um, prisoners, I guess it's privileges. Oh, uh, probably, yeah, yeah. It's going to be something like that. Yeah. And and that and that's the way that you can kind of get them to adopt a pattern of behaviour yeah. that is more like what we think is acceptable. That but they're, they're just never still self-serving, arri- aren't they? It's entirely y- self-serving. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can, you, you just, you're just trying to um, 
modify their behaviour, aren't you? I think you're accepting yeah. you're not going to be able to do that by going for the root cause, which is them being psychopaths. That's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is what it is. Right, yeah. And so then you're just thinking, okay, how can we get these people to behave in an appropriate way? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's quite it's quite clever. I mean, it's. It, I guess it's too late for, you know, once you've got adult psychopaths in the prison system. But if you can identify children with these psychopathic traits, presumably you can intervene and change the kind of environment. You know, we talked about nurture, nature versus nurture. If you can change the environment at an early stage, then presumably you can kind of avoid some of the worst extremes. Yeah, I, I think that there's a version of the psychopathy checklist that is specifically for children. Right. And so you're, you know, that, that kind of background research and, uh, and interviews is really important. So you talk to teachers, you talk to parents and all this kind of thing. And if you can pick stuff up early that's really useful and you can prevent children from having shown these signs to then developing into full-blown psychopaths yeah but people have done as you can imagine some really like mad mad stuff to see if they can try and cure psychopathy mainly in the 60s when you know, it was an absolute free-for-all um so it was 1968 and a guy called dr elliot Barker, who's who's Canadian, I think, and, and there was a real vogue at the time for doing these kind of nude. Uh, <laughs> like, oh sort of, no, where um, is this going? It's actually it's it's not going anywhere like really gruesome, but it's also you just think, what were you playing at? Um, so there was a lot of this nude experimentation, and the idea was you kind of strip people back literally, and they lose inhibitions, and you start to be able to access, you know, their motivation. I mean, it's sort of a, a load of old claptrap, really, right? But anyway, this guy thought, right, going to get a load of psychopaths, uh, lock them in a room for 11 days, naked, and they can only uh, they can only have food through straws that they suck through the wall. I mean, I don't oh, know. No, like, you're what, I don't, I, I had no idea why, why you would do that, but that's what they were doing. Uh, and then, uh, is that everything? Oh, no, we're going to give them LSD as well. <laughs> <laughs> well I mean, that was so, basically science in the 1960s, wasn't it? Was yeah, but of, what about if we did it on LSD? 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 Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. naked, food through straws, locked in with a load of other psychos, right. 11 days, LSD. Uh, and the results, were they less psychopathic? I'm guessing not. Inu. Uh, <laughs> they were, the, <laughs> the follow-up research established that the people who had been in that experiment were a third more likely to commit violent a crime. A third? Yeah. That's yeah. significant. I mean, a lot, I mean, a lot of them well, are, they're are angry, likely presumably. to, <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are likely to go and commit crime anyway. Yeah. Um, but these were even more likely yeah. Yeah. after that experience. I think I would be. Yeah. And also, you're just spending time with a load of psychopaths in a, in a weird setup. It just doesn't feel like that's the way that you're going to get it out of your system. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the, that's the late 60s for you. <laughs> Some naughty stuff going on. Uh, I think that the conclusion, uh, you sort of ignore the LSD element almost, is that group therapy, so psychopaths with psychopaths, <laughs> just lets them just practice m manipulation and using people, oh, picking wow. up tips from other, wow. other great psychopaths. Yeah, you can imagine, can't you? Yeah, it's like psychopath school. Yeah. <laughs> Learn to be yeah. a better psychopath. Yeah. Um, and also uh, get that. I mean, it's sort of motivating and inspirational, isn't it? If you yeah, spot, if in, you spot in, a, in you know, a better psychopath than you, yeah. it's like, oh, that guy just manipulated me. Yeah. How do you do that? What a hero. <laughs> yeah. Teach me. Please teach me. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I think we'll do now is we'll both have a stab at describing what a psychopath is. Right. What makes so we'll a psychopath. So, we'll see what we've learned. Answer so, our own question. Yeah. 
and then and then see what Mark says and see who's closest. So y- okay, you, go on, have you a go. Turn everything into a competition, don't you? Yeah, ideally, yeah. <laughs> is that part of the checklist? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say a psychopath is somebody with effectively a neurological condition that that might have been induced mm. by environment or there'll be a genetic element, but mm. it. it destroys them of any ability to empathize, to interact what we would call normally with other people. They see other people as things to be manipulated and gained yeah. from. Yeah. And um, they're probably very good in a crisis. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I sort of agree with that. I think they, they yeah, so lacking, lacking empathy, I think, is really key. No interest or understanding of what other people think or feel and just using people. Yeah. Just seeing people as like things to be, um, to be used in order to advance like they're the, yourself. Ab- they're the you know first person in the first person shooter game sort of thing. Like everything yeah. around them yeah. is is just for their entertainment. It's just there for yeah. entertainment or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I reckon. Okay, let's see what Mark says. A psychopath is someone who has an emotional void where the rest of us would have an outlook that makes us curious about other people. A psychopath just sees other people as a means to an end. Bang on. All right, yeah. I like the emotional void line, though. Emotional void. People are just a means to an end. We've got it. Yeah. Good old psychopaths. No, any? Um, yes, nothing new. Well, no, you're not sitting with one. You're no, sit- I'm not sitting with one, You're no. sitting with one who has a certain amount of it. I'm sort of know. sitting with a failed psychopath, really, aren't I? <laughs> Eureka is a Stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Dr. Mark Freestone. If you like the show, please do subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It makes a massive difference. And you can also find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. Thanks very much. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. So there you go. That was an episode from Stack's brand new podcast, Eureka, getting under the skin of science. If you feel like you might be a psychopath, that's your business, not mine. Still subscribe to the Eureka feed by heading over there, typing in Eureka in whatever podcast app you use. There's new episodes released every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. I know Rick and Michael really appreciate it. And there's loads more stuff you'd enjoy over on the Eureka feed, so go check it out. Um, Every Wednesday, the episodes come out. Thanks a lot for listening, and I'll speak to you again very soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 